Tom Panos, John McGrath, Troy Malcolm, another, another podcast, Million Dollar Agent. We are in the spring selling season. As we're recording this, we're talking about 33, 34 degrees heat in Sydney. Uh, there's no question about it. The stock's there, and this is going to be the topic we spoke about. But before we move on, uh, your tips, GWS Sydney to win the grand final, and I'm going Brisbane. They're the two teams. And the quote of the week, Troy, the quote of the week in rugby league goes to the Roosters coach, Trent Robinson, at his press conference when he said, we don't expect to win 50-50 decisions, you know. Uh, that's what he basically said. He felt like that they don't get favourable treatment. But uh, a lot of people don't agree with that, Troy. The Roosters bowed out. Are they the only Sydney team that was left? Who we got left? We got the Warriors. We got Penrith. We got Penrith. Oh, we got Penrith. Sorry, Penrith. Penrith. Sorry, I'm going to retract. Penrith is going to win the comp. Who do you think is going to win, John? Give us AFL. We got we got audiences AFL. Oh, my, heart, my, heart's, my heart says Brisbane. I'd like to see Brisbane. We, you know, Penrith has had their fair share of success last few years. And I think Brisbane's, you know, come from the ashes. You know, a couple of years ago, they were at down and out. They've done a tremendous job. And, of course, we love our Brisbane team and so forth. Um, so I'd say Penrith um, in the AFL, what is it? Collingwood, Carlton? Yeah, in the AFL, we've got, uh, yeah, we've got, uh, well, we know we, we we know that we've got the Western Sydney, not the Sydney Swan. Yeah, we've got the yeah, but we've got uh, uh, Brisbane Collins, versus Brisbane, Collins, uh, GWS and uh, Carlton. Correct. No, yeah. no uh, sorry, sorry, Troy. Sorry, let's correct that. We got Collingwood versus GWS, on, correct, and, Bris- and Brisbane versus Carlton. Yep. Is that right? Yeah, that's correct. So who's okay? I'm going to go for a Brisbane double. I reckon they're going to win the AFL. There's a con- controversial one for you, Troy. Uh, I actually think it's going to be uh, the Black Colours that are going to win this year. So I'm tipping Collingwood and Panthers. Um, I just feel as if their form for both teams is just too consistent, too consistent. So that, that's going to carry them through experience uh, in, in pressure situations. Both those teams have, have got the experience on the field and they've all been there before. So um, I expect both of them to, to win quite well. Okay. Well, look. Real estate agents are winning at the moment. And I've said to a couple of them, you know, they've said to me, oh, we're, we, you know, we're scared. There's a fair bit of stock coming on. I actually said, and Tom McGlynn, I did an interview with Tom McGlynn on Friday, and he actually said, uh, if you think about it, you'll make a lot more sales in this market than in a marketplace that's got less listings and lower days on market. And that's, I mean, that's a basic thing that we all know. We're in a volume-based business. Um, but John and Troy, today's topic is more listings coming on. What's your game plan? Uh, so I want to talk about both servicing them and also don't get stuck where you've got 30, 40 listings at the end of November, early December that aren't being sold because you've either had agent operating error, bad with pricing, bad with servicing. So let's talk about that. And I'd be curious to hear, Troy, what the McGrath team is saying about stock levels at the moment. Yeah, Tom, we've definitely seen an increase in stock, but a lot of our team are focused on making sure that all the information that they're comparing it to, whether it's the competing properties on the market 
all the most recent sales are up to date. I, I think if you're looking at pricing, if you're looking at bringing properties to market, you've got to be really sensitive and make sure that you're setting the campaign up for success, making sure the seller's expectations are meeting the buyer's expectations. Uh, we were talking before we came online and we were saying that you know buyers in a lot of auctions, uh, if the pricing strategy isn't right, they're normally waiting to see what happens as opposed to be really proactive and put their hand up or their paddle up straight away. So I think at the, this period in time, Getting everything right is going to set up those agents for huge success at the tail end of 2023. John, what's your take on this marketplace at the moment with the extra listings coming on? Well, we've we've been seeing this coming for a while, Tommy. We've, we've been talking internally that um, with interest rates hitting a crescendo and about to fall off the cliff where a lot of people have the reality of high rates is now starting to stick. Before it was just a, a concept that, God, I'm going to have to pay a lot of money well, money, sir, now a lot of households have to pay double their mortgage um, monthly um, monthly rate. So that's that's one thing. And two is at the same time, simultaneously, we've seen, I would say, 30 40% increase in stock levels, uh, some markets possibly more. So when you've got those two things, assuming that, well, I think it's a fair assumption, that property prices, it's really supply and demand. So if you've got strong on the demand side or low on the supply side, it's good. If you've got a little bit of weakness on the demand side and and you've got an increase in stock levels, it's going to bring prices back. So we've been thinking that around this time, we always thought spring would be when it's happened. So I, I think we kind of got that right. Um, so I think what's happening now is no reason to panic. And I agree, Tommy McGlynn's one of the great thinkers, uh, as is Shannon Whitney um, in Australian real estate. And I agree with what Tommy said about you can actually do better now. The only thing I'd say is I don't see there's any reason days on market have to slide out. I mean, a great agent in this market, this is where great agents, Tommy, actually come to the fore. They, they, this is where the agents that are deal makers, that are uh, got great dialogue, that can help influence both buyers and sellers to make the right decision for each of them, um, really start doing better business. So I would say some of the best agents, most of the best agents in the country will have a better 12 months going forward than they had going back because they'll have 30 40% more stock to 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 trade and to uh, to deal make on so um yeah i think some of the things come to mind for me i mean there's two sides of every transaction a buyer and a seller so let's look at each of them individually troy i mean on on the sell side on the seller side you have to be much more careful at a listing presentation you you can be a little bit you shouldn't be but you can be a little bit erroneous or loose looser in a, in a hot market because a lot of sins are covered up by frantic bidding and prices above reserve, whereas now that's not going to happen so much. So you kind of need, as Troy has just alluded to, you need to get the price pretty close to right. So you make sure your comparables are not comparables of if your market has adjusted in the last month, make sure they're not comparables from three months ago. Make sure they're comparables today, last week, last weekend, the weekend before. But make sure when you have a discussion with your vendor as to where prices lay today, you're not being optimistic about where they were perhaps when the market was in a stronger position. I think make sure your language, you you know, language is really critical. And I think you have to be a little bit more reserved. You can still be positive. You can still be optimistic. But, you you know, there's no more saying, oh, look, this is the hottest market I've seen and things are going off the Richter scale and, you know, we take this to auction and we'll smash it, all that sort of craziness. You know, you just say to people, look, the market's been terrific. It's probably lost a little bit of steam in the last few weeks. And we think that that is going to be the status quo for about the next 12 months. Well, 
stock sorts itself out and while interest rates are, are at these kind of peak of the market. So, you know, your option is to take still a very good price today, maybe not quite as good as it was a few weeks ago, or wait for 12 to 18 months until the market sort of the next cycle picks up. So I think you can just be a little bit more, or you need to be a bit more measured, Troy, in your discussion with your vendors. And of course, managing client expectations, I mean, that's a skill in any market, but it's more more required today. So frequency of communication with your vendors, um, depth of communication, relevance of data points that you bring in. So it's not just about, oh, yeah, everyone thinks we're overpriced at 1.2. Give them some logical rationale or data points so people because people will make decisions generally on the emotional scale but they always want to justify them with some facts and figures so what can you provide information wise um and then on the buy side again troy it's just about you know make sure you're close with the buyers the buyers are going to get they got a little window of opportunity i think they've got about six to twelve months we don't know whether it's going to be four months or twelve months but let's call it six to twelve months where the market, again, is taking a little breather um, before interest rates they seem to have plateaued. They will come down at some point in the next year or two. So, you know, you've got a little breather to get back into the market you know, before it goes off again, which it probably will in most parts of Australia because immigration is, is strong. Interest rates will come back down. Bricks and mortar is a preferred asset or investment, and investors will come back. They've kind of gone missing for a while. They'll come back. So I think you've just got to develop some good dialogue for both buyers and sellers. Troy, over to you, because you're in the trenches and sort of at the front line every day. Yeah, John, I agree. And exactly what Tom, you know, we were talking about earlier in regards to the buyers is to making sure that you're giving them information that they seem useful. Don't give them information that doesn't make sense. Don't give them information from six, 12 months ago. Give them stuff that happened over the last month. That's where agents are really getting cut through and making Sure, they're giving the buyers the right information for them to make the right decision. It's it's as simple as that. The information and the frequency of contact with both buyers and the sellers, again, to reiterate, John, your point is is going to set those agents up to to have a really strong finish to the year. And you know, we are only fourteen weeks out from twenty twenty four. I know that seems like a long time, but it's actually not. Yeah, I think a lot of I've noticed a lot of the really good agents. That and there's another great term that Tom McGlynn used the other day. He said, Tom, clearance rates don't measure operator error. And I thought that was a very, very good point because you can actually have one agent that does things right from the listing presentation, the way they price it. And then you've got another agent that just does it all wrong. And you can have a totally different clearance rate because of that. But real estate agents that I think are very good at seller servicing are able to dig deep, particularly on those vendor reports that you get with Ignite, where, because sometimes a vendor says, but we haven't even had many people come through the property, but great agents are able to say, listen, you need to know your home has been seen. Here are the data insights that show how many people have actually looked at your property, how many people have downloaded, how many people have saved. People are aware of your property but there's obviously a gap between them seeing value in your property. And that's what we need to address. So I think great agents are very good at data analysis and that Ignite, or Ignite report, we should get realestate.com sponsoring this. The Ignite report is a brilliant report, is a brilliant report in helping a vendor understand analytics on the amount of views, saves, and basically the virtual inspections on a property 
The other thing, gentlemen, I think is super important is that if you've got, if you've priced this property three months ago, he, he, sometimes we've got this situation where you've done a listing presentation, you've done your proposal, you've got an owner coming on board based on the numbers you spoke about, but there has been a small shift in the market. What you should be doing is saying, hey, I want to let you know, before we go full ball here, I want to do a reappraisal of your property and bring in the data of the last couple of weeks because there has been a shift. Often you find a property is listed at a much different time to when it was appraised in the real estate industry. There's normally a big gap. So that's pretty important. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, th I think it is. Um, I think subtleties are they're also slightly important here, Tommy, that you, know, you don't need to be running with a sledgehammer and you know, sort of tremoring saying, oh, my God, the market's you know, changed dramatically. I think, you know, if, if – if if many markets had changed more than three, four, five percent, I'd be surprised. But a five percent shift, you know, on a million dollars is material. It's nine fifty from from a million or nine sixty. So I think you've just got to be you've got to be a matter of fact. You've got to have your finger on the pulse. You've got to be closer to buyers than ever before. You've got to not only be asking them for their impression of the house and how do they feel about it and where do they see value. You need to ask. Some data points is why is it that you see value at that level and sort of dig a bit deeper than you had to, you know, maybe a month or two ago. And uh, yeah, just your mindset as an agent must be everything is still incredibly saleable. The market is still strong. Prices have adjusted a bit. Maybe instead of six buyers per auction, we might have two, two and a half. Um, but that's that's still a good market if you've got your finger on the pulse and you're doing what it takes. It's it's just this is gonna sort the time, it's gonna sort the cowboys out. Those that yeah. have been, yeah, the old swimming naked without the trunks metaphor that yeah, those that have been just sort of doing quite nicely because the market's been pretty much on fire again, uh, in another little mini boom we've just been through, well they'll be caught out and they'll be the ones with, you know, sold not not sold signs, but for sale signs up, past in auctions, um, you know, unhappy vendors and expired listings and the like. The best agents, having been through multiple of these cycles in the last 40 years, the best agents, it's steady as she goes, they'll do better. As Tommy McGlynn said, they'll do as well or better this year. Um, yeah, I, I still think it's a great market. It's just you've got to be aware that things have shifted a little bit. The last thing I want to touch on is, so if you're a real estate agent that's been holding normally, say, five or six listings a month, that's been your baseline. And then all of a sudden, you're doing eight, ten. You got ten. You're, you you've got to service an extra five. That's a double double the amount of vendors you're servicing. Um, what are some of the things that you think that you can be doing to help you actually handle and and lever yourself to be able to doing it? Obviously, you're using tech techniques like Amit Nayak uh, does where he does his vendor meetings in 15-minute increments using Zoom on a Tuesday is an example of how you can actually scale your time better using tech. Is there other things that are going to allow a real estate agent to get on top of having to service twice as many listings as they may have in the past? Well, Troy, again, I'd say uh, checklists and systems here become paramount. When you've got four four listings and they've you know you've got heaps and heaps of buyers and you're just servicing them, it's okay. But if that number goes to twelve listings or I'll call it ten, um, you do need a, a more robust system. So if you haven't built yourself a little system of checklists for listing a property, 
handle managing a property, getting ready for an auction, uh, post auction if it hasn't sold. You need, you know, what are the next six things to do? What are the next twelve steps to take? If you haven't already got that time to get that now and build it, um, really critical. I know your gym members. I think Tommy, you give them those sort of tools, so they're they're really critical to have right now. Those things, um, and uh, yes, certainly your team. I mean, you need to make sure your team hears this same discussion. If they haven't heard this podcast, if you do have a team, everyone's got to be on their tippy toes right now because you know, this is no longer an undertaking. This will be good quality salesmanship market. Sure. John, the efficiency is and, and the scalability is a really important part of any process right now. So what is going to create the biggest impact to both buyers and sellers that you're doing out there? Is it making sure that all callbacks from a Saturday's open for inspection time are done on a Saturday afternoon instead of waiting till Monday? Does that save you an extra couple of hours? Do you follow up with those that you can't get in contact with, with the great SMS servicing um, techniques that we've got out there? The reporting side of things, are you doing exactly what Tom said around Armit um, and doing Zoom 15-minute increments? What's the, then the follow-up printed version? Is it a direct email that just highlights the key points that you covered off in the meeting that's automatically sent as soon as that meeting's finished? What other things can you be doing around compressing private inspections? Can you do them back-to-back at the same property to save an extra couple of hours travel time in regards to getting back and forward to the office? Uh, how are you preparing your open kits? What does the support team look like? Are they executing a lot more of the tasks that you'd normally do when you've got smaller numbers of open for inspections and attendees at those opens? So I think it's the little one percenters along the way in each one of the processes and the standards that we have that is really going to set us up again for that that saving a day or two or a couple of hours here or there to allow you to go from managing eight properties to 12 quite easily without losing or diluting any of your service. That's going to be the difference. So if I was talking to anyone right now and a lot of our team members, it's like, what are the elements across all of our campaign that we can save time in that make it really efficient, but still have high impact? Well said. Good point. I think a lot, and and I think a lot of the real estate agents I'm speaking to now have all said the same thing. And that is an acceptance that on FM, that great radio station, October, November, February, March is a time where you basically have to say, I am going to work harder. I am going to work longer. I know that I'm going to end up having a couple of weeks, maybe early off in uh, December, maybe finish around the 15th of December. I know I'm going to have a fair bit of uh, January off. So I'm just going to go full out and take advantage of these high volumes of stock. And if it means I've got to, you know, work an extra one or two hours a day between uh, that long weekend that we get, well, some states get. Uh, from October right to through to Christmas, so be it. But team, thank you so much. Great catching up. Another episode of Million Dollar Agent. I'm absolutely Troy. Someone said to me, "Have you done a thousand episodes?" I said, "No, we haven't." But I said that would be a great thing to achieve to be able to say we did a thousand episodes because you do see you do see podcasts start and then they sort of disappear and you know then they rebrand with another name and there's a new co-host. We we we've gone the we Troy roughly are we at six or seven? What are we? Is it? Are we, it'll work. No, we're past eight. I think we've kind of got eight years now. Two thousand and twelve was our first. How many hundred? How many? How many, how many, how many oh, I don't know. No, I have to. Do, I'll have to find that out. I, I will find that out. That'll be my, uh, my research for next week. Okay, do yeah. about six hundred six hundred okay. games. And what are we at? All right, guys. All the best, Tommy. 
See you. Thanks a lot. Signing off.